The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is Thanksgiving week here in the U.S. Um, in oh, four days, uh, many of us will be laden down with enough turkey stuffing, uh, cranberry sauce, and sides to uh, to run us through until Saturday. Um, and now is the time when the standings get real. The stats start telling us who players are, and there's so much going on. Some of it very interesting, some of it not hugely surprising. Um, some interesting stories that we're covering and some stories that we're deliberately leaving alone. Um, where do we want to start this week? I have no idea. Let's start with let's start at the top. Stop the presses. You know, when I looked, when I sat down and looked at the NHL stats this morning. Yes. I started to wonder what year it was. And if I had accidentally fallen through to like an alternate dimension. Okay. When was the last time this late in the year? A defenseman led the NHL in scoring. I don't know. It was probably a Bruin, Ray Bork or Bobby Orr. Oh no, there it was might that have been guy. Paul Coffey. There was Paul. I was just about to say his name as well. Yeah, Paul Coffey. Lids. I mean, there, there there are a handful of players that could potentially have been. I'd have to look it up to be certain. But, but yeah, you've got Coffey, Lidstrom. Uh, but the time span. Bork and and Orr and. The time span on that isn't measured in in a couple of years. It's measured in a couple of decades. Yeah, it's not like it, it, it's not typical for a defenseman to be near the top or leading the league in scoring. Yeah, no, it's not expected. Well, Quinn Hughes is to the surprise of many, mm-hmm. including me. Even though I really, really like this young man. I know you do. Um, leading the league. In scoring, and he's a full four points ahead of Kale McCarr, who I really, really like. Yes, has a better supporting cast. That said, interesting observation there. The next two, or let me say that his the highs of Kale McCarr's team are higher than the highs of Hughes's team, and okay. more established. As long-term productive players. Okay. Elias Pettersson is a guy who I think many, many, many people, including people who have been behind the bench and in the front office in Vancouver in his time there, uh, many of us feel that he's never hit his top year. And I think that's I think we're seeing that right now. Um, but I like I. And honestly, as shocking as Quinn Hughes is at the top of the points array. Yes. I actually find the number two goalie in goals against average um, even more shocking. The resurgence. 
the resurgence of the man from Connecticut. Yeah, and the fact that he's in the top eight in save percentage ahead of guys who have won Vesna's very recently, who have won Stanley Cups pretty recently. Jonathan Quick, 928 save percentage. 928. Uh, I'm trying to think if this is a... a this is a career high. It just... I, I know, but when you stop in the, where do you where do you place the, and I, blame isn't the right word, but the the responsibility for this resurgence is it the fact that he's closer to Connecticut, is it the fact that he's more comfortable in his role, is it also could it also be the fact that there was something going on in L.A. that was affecting him. Team-wise, organizationally. We'll start with the last one. The factors that affect him, yeah, they're all over the place. We'll start with the last one. L.A. was not, as a team, in a mentally healthy place for, like, two or three years. They were bad, and they really didn't like it. And I don't think it allowed their locker room to gel around getting better. And he was blamed for a lot of stuff. I mean, let's be honest, his last full season, the 22-23 season in the, in L.A. was terrible. He had an 876 save percentage through 31 games. 876 through 31 games. He, he went 11 for 13 in net. 11, 13, and 4 in net that season. In a much less com- in a much less competitive, I mean, the West is squishy. Much less competitive. So, competitive and is not correction. the right word. I I said that this was his best numbers. You have to go back to eleven twelve, um, where I believe they won a cup that year. Um, mm-hmm. Nine twenty nine save percentage that year was better. But his career save percentage through 759 games is a 9-11. His career goals against average, and that that one is a, a little harder to put entirely in the goalie's lap, but it's a 246, and he's sporting a 198. Now, he's only played six games. He started five of them. He's 4-0-1 in those, team, in those games behind a very dangerous, very effective Rangers defense, which is part of it. Um, at 37 years old, he'll be 38 in, you know, two months at this point. The Rangers have only played 14 games? Yeah. Wow. That's a low number. I mean, I'm well, looking at and, – and, you know, it, it, again, it's another situation where is he comfortable – I, I – how do I put this? Going back to L.A., I think one of the problems was, and I'm reading into it, yes, but they, the organization wanted Cal Peterson to be the number one. I think the problem was they kept, uh, in a way, anointing him as the number one, and then when he would stumble, it would be on quick to save the organization – uh, as the older, more responsible, uh, better goaltender. Yes. And how would you react if you kept getting told that you weren't good enough to be the number one anymore, but, oh, wait, we need you to come back in and save us now? 
I mean, yes, mentally, like the number one, just think like the number two. Me- mentally, you know, that's got to take a toll. Here, he knows what his role is. Shesterkin is the number one. Is he? And uh, to be honest, I, they, he's got more starts, but. Uh, Domingue, I mean, he's got the third worst. He's got the worst save percentage of the three goaltenders behind the same defense. Now, has yes, Domingue, has Domingue, Domingue play, wait, has Domingue played? Domingue he has played one game, game and he won. So they've played. So they've actually played fifteen games. Okay. Um. Wow. I mean, Domingue has a nine sixty two save percentage in one game. Yes. Um, Small sample. He played size. all sixty minutes. Igor Shosturkin has a nine twelve save percentage in nine games started. He's seven two. And seven two zero and zero, um, and his save percentage is two point four four. Two point four four goal save percent uh, goals against average is certainly not bad, but at this point, if you if particularly given the stumbles they had in the playoffs last year, getting getting ousted by the by the uh, Devils after being up in the series. Okay. I want to ride the hot hand. Okay, so I should revamp my statement. It's not so much that Jonathan knows his role and knows that he is the number. It's better communication from the organization. I think it's better communication from the organization. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Adam Fox and K. Andre Miller and <laughs> the rest of that defense? defensive core – probably communicate with him better than what we were seeing in L.A. Well, Dio, I mean, there was a little bit of time there in the last couple of years where there have been uh, some interesting, you know, some interesting juggling and moves. The only constant being Drew Doughty, and then he was out hurt. But you had new names. You had uh, Sean Dersey was there. I mean, you had it was yeah. a rotating field of, of youngsters and defensemen. So is the communication going to suffer? I believe so. Yes, it is. It's kind of like Olmark in his first year here. And the jump that he had in his second, you know, second to third year and whatnot. Obviously, the communication was an issue because you could see that as that improved, so did the numbers. I think that oh, absolutely. Yes, Rick has better communication with his defense core here in New York, uh, and therefore the numbers are going to bear that out. So am I surprised by it a little bit, only because I wasn't sure his health was going to hold up? But the jump from even last year's numbers to this year's numbers, it's a little bit goofy. I think he's healthy. Oh, I, health absolutely plays a part as, uh, well, yeah. See, I mean, his numbers last year were just flat. They they weren't good. Um, he played he played ni- uh, 10 games to the Golden Knights after being traded there. And his save percentage did jump from an 876 in L.A. to a 901 in, in Vegas. 
Um, but in terms of whatever that cumulative average is, it's not I'm great. Right. It's like 880 or something like that, 884. I actually forgot about the Vegas stop. But if you do, if you follow the progression, there was, I think the I think the number one factor is there was something wrong in L.A. I think yeah. there, I think there was, a, I think there was something wrong in L.A. I don't think that Quick was happy. I don't think that he felt valued. And yes, I think he's probably physically and mentally healthier here. Uh, mentioned that he's turning 38. You know, if his parents were in their mid 20s, that means they're pushing 60. Um, and that's uh, that's a time when people's health can change, when life can get. Um, life can have some interesting reversals. And see, for me, the other place where you say stop the presses, and I don't want—I don't mean to jump backwards real quick, but as much as yes, it's Quinn Hughes, and for me, the whole stop the presses thing starts with the fact that at the top of the statistics table, it's Vancouver, Vancouver, Vancouver. Yeah. Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, and J.T. Miller. All have 28 points and top the points table in the NHL. It's a little bit bonkers. I it's mean, not it's not a Connor McDavid. I mean, yes, David Pasternak is in fourth, but it's not a Connor McDavid. It's not a. It's uh, not a Sidney Crosby. It's not a. It's, it's not a. It's, it's not, not Nathan McKinnon. It's it, it's a Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, and J.T. Miller. I mean, looking, jumping over to the next name in the is surprise name in the um, top of the stats. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Connor is leading the NHL in goals scored. <laughs> this Everyone whole, you could name as a great goal scorer in the league well, is behind him. We just had a couple in the list that we just ran off. So, <laughs> pasta. In the top ten, there is no Alex Ovechkin. There is no Tyler Sagan. There is no. I, I'm just, you know. I, yes, Austin Matthews is in the list. Austin Matthews is tied with Kyle Connor. They both have 14. You would expect Austin Matthews to be there. Not so much Kyle Connor. Uh, and the thing is with Kyle Connor, he's doing he's working at a pace that is pretty surprising. Um, looking at uh, everything this morning um, and looking at stats over the last couple of days, I uh, ran across a tweet from uh, Murat Atiz. Mm hmm. 1992 season, Timu Solani scored 14 goals in his first 17 games on his way to a 76-goal season. Bonkers. Okay. okay, wait, stop. But here's the thing. No, no, no. It, I need to keep going. Kyle Connor has scored 14 goals in his first 16 and two-thirds games this year. Am I comparing Kyle Connor directly to Timu Solani? No. But, but if you take the bottom 10 goaltenders with more than seven starts right now and their save percentage and compare them to the league when Timu Stolani scored those 76 goals, they're all better. 
they'd all be all-stars. Period. Kyle Connor, for whoever else you think of the league, and it's changed in ways that I don't always love. The goaltending is more effective. Defense yeah. is more effective, and it's practiced as a in most teams as a five-man unit and not simply dumped on the defenseman. Kyle Connor's not scoring seventy-six goals. They say that about. They say a lot of things aren't happening in the league. They said that Gretzky's uh, goal total would never be would never be broken, and it hasn't that's, been. That's on its way out. Well, I would like to see that, but that man again, as we talked about, isn't on the list. Can I just mention, since we're talking about people who aren't necessarily at the top of the list, in goal scoring, number eight on the list, who happens to be ahead of, you know, David Pasternak, who is a clearly a goal scorer. Um, and I touched on this guy last week, week before. Frank Vetrano is eighth or tied for fifth or whatever you want because there's other guys with 12 goals. Frank Vetrano is in the top 10 in in goals? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the other guy on the goal on the goalie chart that we wanted to talk about is of course the local guy. Well, the local guy from Linus, Linus, Linus. Oh, wait, you're not talking about him because nobody talks about him. We can talk about him next week if you want to. (laughs) But right now, we're stopping the presses for the one, the only, Jeremy Swayman. Yeah, he he is. He has been phenomenal. 173 goals against average. That's a save for seven wins. A shutout. Nine forty-one save percentage, and this is well ahead of his career nine twenty-two. Yeah, he's four games away from playing his one hundredth game. Um, in the league, here's my question for you uh, about the what is he twenty-four-year-old? Yes, twenty-six-year-old. Swayman? 24 years old. He'll be 20. Actually, he'll be 25 this uh, in the next week uh, on the uh, 24th. Everyone marks Sway Day down. Um, and this one's probably a softball, but have we seen the best play from Jeremy Swayman yet? seen the best hockey of Jeremy Swayman's career yet. Mm, yet? No. Are we seeing it currently? Possibly. The question is how long can he stay at, at, the, at this top rung? I mean, yes, he's putting in ridiculous work. Yeah, That's a fantastic and, question. And the thing um, is, the, the same question was the the thing is the same question was asked this time last year of Linus Omar because he was having the crazy numbers. We're not talking about Linus Omar. I'm not trying to talk about Linus Omar. I'm just saying uh-huh. that 
it's gone from one year to another where the same goal they asked the same question and he was able to sustain it for the whole year. So can Swayman do it? Yes. Is he at the top of his game at 24? He's certainly, if he's not, he's certainly getting close to it. I mean, you can't do much better than what he's doing right now. He's 7-0-1 in eight games. Yep. He's allowing less than two goals a game. He's saving 94% of the shots that, he's, that are coming his way. You yep. can't do much better than that. So, Except yes. if we look back at his first season in the league, the 2021 season. Yeah. Ten games played, seven and three record, 150 save percent, 150 goals against average, 945 save percentage, two shutouts. Okay. If we're not yet seeing now in those ten games, there's no scouting report on you. Like your first ten games as the NHL as a goalie. If you played a long time in the AHL, yes, people know who you are. That wasn't the case with Swayman. He basically jumped from college to. That's why I kind of discount the first 10 games. I mean, it, it's kind of like discounting Devin Levy last last year at the end of the season. Everybody was in awe of him because in Buffalo, well, first of all, they lack goaltending anyway. But uh, he comes in and everybody went, oh, my God, this is it. Same thing happened with Carter Hart. The first time that they showed up on the ice, like you say, they don't know him yet. Once they get a read on him, that's when it becomes difficult. I mean, Swayman has only played 14 AHL games. So you really would need to scout him either at the NHL level or have known him really, really well during his time at UMaine, where, yes, in his third season, he finished with a... 939 save percentage in 34 games with a 207 save percent uh, goals against average mm-hmm. or a team that was not that good. Agreed. Like we might, I think we're seeing in looking at the stats right now, the NHL is obsessed with whoever is next. Forget about who's next. They're all right now. Quinn Hughes is right now. Jeremy Swayman is right now. Uh, Jonathan Quick is now again. <laughs> he, he's back. <laughs> um, he's returned. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know Brock what you would call that. Is right here, right now. Austin Matthews is right here, right now. Kale McCarr, who we're going to talk about in a second, right here, right now. And people just need to jump on board and enjoy it. Like, legitimately enjoy the hockey. We can talk about the rookies next week. Um, I'm not particularly surprised by the names in the top ten. Um, I will note where most of those teams are in the standings. Um, I think only one of the guys in the top three is actually in the playoffs or in the playoff picture. Um, But we'll talk about rookies next week because that's a whole different beast. Um, Kale McCarr. The current current crop of rookies, you mean? Not prospects for the draft. Okay. 
Kale McCarr, fastest to 300 assists by an NHL defenseman. That's an absolutely bonkers stat. He's ridiculous good, so. But we're talking Ray Bork, Brad Park, uh, Phil, uh, like, uh, Coffey. We're talking... He's playing on a Eric ridiculous. Carlson, John Carlson. Um, yeah, but he's playing on, as I was trying to say, he's playing on a very offensive-minded team. I mean, you look at look at the players in front of him. Look at the players that he plays around, whether it's on power play or even strength. You've got Nathan McKinnon, who you just mentioned. You've got Miko Rantanen. Um, he had Landeskog. You had Nazem Kadri. You had JT Comfer before he went to the Red Wings. You had... The goal scoring. All those comes things are important. That's how you get assists. You make the pass. They score but the goals. That's that's the thing. You have to be doing the right thing at the right time in the right place. Yes. And to be doing it at that high a level, that consistently to be to set a record in a hundred year old league, is a little bit astonishing. And again, people need to enjoy the hockey for what it is. It's a fantastic opportunity to watch world-class athletes execute, execute, execute. And in hockey, it's all about the execution, whether you want to believe it or not. It's not just the physicality. Uh, Which brings us to the next story. (laughs) Um. Stop me if you've heard this before, but last night, Jacob Truba made a big old clean-out hit in front of the net, in open ice, and sent a player crashing to the ice with a with hard, heavy contact. It hard, yes, it was hard and heavy contact. Having seen the video... Um, it looks, and and I can't say it looks worse than it is because I don't know what the result was. No sec did go straight to the locker room, uh, as per the 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 tweet from Bleach Report. Uh, so I can't say worse than it is, but watching the video, first of all, No sec has been around long enough; he knows you can't lower your head like that. That being said, Truba comes in point of contact is the head or at least it looks like it from the angle of the video that they show the problem is that they're going to see him extend that arm and that's where they're going to have issues i don't know if the 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 dopes as we like to call them the the department of player safety is even looking at this the arm extension isn't until nosick is already on his way down i don't think that's even relevant Okay. Um, if he extended the arm before contact, sure, I'd be I'd be cheering for him to uh, get uh, several games off the ice. But Truba but, has Truba has more of a history. They just gave four games to the Hall of Famer with no history. Granted, his hits. Mm, there's history and there's history. Truba's oh, hits, okay. as a rule, are clean because he does wail on someone like this four or five times a game. Okay. 
that said, mm-hmm. MMA, boxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, kickboxing, they use five words at the start of every contest where you're going one-on-one, so very few variables other than your reaction speed, their reaction speed, your strength, their strength, comparative training, but fewer than nine other skaters, two goaltenders, um, three officials, ice conditions, puck getting under people's feet, distractions, line changes, um, fans throwing stuff on the ice music playing, all of the many, many thousand factors that impact a game. They say five words. And now my friend Eric tweeted uh, tweeted this story or texted me this story this morning because I hadn't seen it. But my reaction now is the same reaction I I would have regardless of which two players were involved regardless of whether it's today, five years in the future, or 15 years in the past, mm-hmm. my my response is always going to be those five words. Protect yourself at all times. Agreed. And I don't and- know why NHL players and hockey players as a whole don't bleeping get this. I don't know. I, I, I started my my diatribe saying that no sex been around long enough that he knows that he shouldn't be putting his head down like that. (laughs) Again, that's all protect yourself at all times starts with knowing you don't put your head down and stare at the ice. You kind of got to keep your head up. You kind of got to keep it on a swivel. No sex is 31 years old. He's probably been playing hockey for 25 or 26 years at this point. He's certainly been playing at a, high level since 2011-12, so 13, 14 years. Yeah. Whether Even if you think that this is a perfect, whether you think that this is a brutal head hit to the head and that Truba never needs to see the NHL ice again, or you think that this was a perfectly clean hit with nothing to consider except for the fact that the player got knocked down, um, is irrelevant. It's totally and completely irrelevant. We teach kids to look both ways and look again before crossing the street for a reason. We teach people when they go to parties not to accept drinks from people they don't trust, or in certain cases not to accept drinks, period. Yeah. Because... Bad things can happen. We tell people people a lot of ways in which they should protect themselves at all times. It starts younger than that. It starts when they're little kids. Parents tell their their children not to take candy from strangers, not to talk to strangers. Don't cross the street without me. Hold on to the swing. Hold on on the swing with both hands. Approach dogs slowly so that you don't scare them. All of these things are protect yourself at all times. And yet we have these hockey players who have the opportunity to earn more money than 
anyone not a pro athlete or high level executive in a Fortune 200 company mm-hmm. risking it all because they're not paying attention and not protecting themselves. And I literally do not understand this in any way, shape, or form. Because even if Nosek only saw Truba coming at the last minute, that's still enough time to shift your head, set your feet, and either counter hit or absorb the hit. Because Nosek's not a small guy. He's 6'3", 205. It's not like he's a five foot seven, hundred and forty five pounder um, who got you know who got trucked. It looks, I mean, looking at the footage, Troop is not even moving that fast. I understand like, that. The, the 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 issue here is that the NHL, whether they do anything about this particular situation or not, the NHL puts the onus for contact such as this you're putting it on the player who's receiving the hit the nhl puts the onus on well both players but they're looking at it to see if something was done illegally so yes i agree with the i agree with the protect yourself at all times but the nhl still is going to make a ruling based on they don't they don't put it on both players it's Okay. They only put it on the person delivering the hit, which is, yes, they're taking an action and they're making a choice. Exactly. But if someone's aware, you can't blindside them. You can't catch them high from four strides away if they're pay- if they're looking straight at you. They have the opportunity to protect themselves better and extend and protect their career. Mm-hmm. I I I flat out do not understand not paying attention, and quite honestly, I, while I certainly hope that Nosek is one hundred percent okay, it, dude, this is this is walking out to a this is walking up to a downed wire. And shoving your tongue on it to make sure that it's uh, that it's uh, to see if it's working. And like I said, I, and, and I actually whether whether you believe it or not, I, I agree with this. I mean, I think that in this particular instance, Nosek knows better, should have his head up, could have either twisted away twisted away from the hit, could have steeled himself better for the hit. He didn't. They say in football, the quarterback can feel the hit coming from behind. You know, he he didn't sense at all that Truba was there. The Truba was going to truck him. There was no reaction from him until contact was made. And you can't play like that. Regardless of whether the hit was legal or illegal, you can't play like that. You have to know what's going on. Keep your head up. You have to keep your eyes going. And yeah, keep your head on a swivel. So he knows better. I agree. And to be quite honest, I don't think the hit should be reviewed. I don't think there's anything really wrong with it. It was it was a hit. It was in front of the net. It knocked Nosek for a loop because he wasn't ready for it. 
Look, and I want I want everyone to be a a thousand percent clear on this. I loved having Nosek on the Boston Bruins because he's a very conscientious player who does everything you could want a player to do. Yeah. I, I have no beef with him. I'm I certainly hope he has success against or with the uh, Devils. But uh, look, I use the word grok in the description of this. Um, and you asked me what the word grok means. Um, it basically means to internalize it and accept it on the fundamental level that you recognize it as a part of your reality in the same way you recognize your best friend's laugh from across the room or the touch of your mom's hand on your shoulder without having to look or double check either thing. That sort of just soul deep acknowledgement. And I, I, I have to wonder how many careers would be three seasons longer, five seasons longer if players actually did this. Yeah. Would, I mean, honestly, this, this irritates me more than it should, or well, more than I want it to. Okay. Um, since we're talking about players and individual achievements and all of the funness involved in that, there's some milestones coming up as we head towards the dog days of the season um, that I think people should be aware of. Milestones. Already mentioned Jeremy Swayman, four games away from his 100th NHL game played. Well, Mark andre Fleury is going to do something very rare. And in six games, he will hit 1,000 NHL games. I'm pretty sure that, like, Brodeur was the last goaltender to hit 1,000 games. Monquist didn't make it to 1,000? He might have. I'd have to look it up. I don't know off the top of my head. Um. Uh, And uh, let's see, in terms of wins, Flurry is three away from hitting his 550th NHL win. Um, Lundquist did not make it. 887. Grubauer uh, is one goal away or one win away from 150. Wow. Corpusalo is one win away from number 100. Excellent. Corey Hart, whose team we're going to talk about. Carter Hart, sorry. Carter Hart, the savior. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about his team. He is 10 wins away from 100. Um, and they might actually do that this year. I was going to say, in Philly, that, that that's still up in the air. So, in Philly. <laughs> um, Jonathan Quick, one shutout away from 60. Bobrovsky, one shutout away from 40. Mm-hmm. Um, minutes played. Mazarek is closing in on 20,000. Shusterkin is closing in on 10,000. 
Okay. Teams played overall. Um, Kyle Clutterbuck, he of the impeccably physical game, one game away from 1,000. Cal Clutterbuck. Victor Hedman, eight games away from 1,000. Matt Duchesne, nine games ahead of uh, away from 1,000. Um, let's see. So these are all happening. These are all happening. Frank Paterno, uh Nick Jensen, Jonathan Druin. Each of their next games will be number 500. Brandon Carlo, six games away from 500. Uh, Jake DeBrusque just played his 400th goal game. Charlie McAvoy will hit the and Matt Grizzly should both hit um, 400 in back-to-back games if things if if indeed Grizzly gets back this week. Okay. Um. Let's see. In terms of goals, Ron is three away from 300. TJ Oshi and Nathan McKinnon are each 10 goals away from 300. Um, uh, Mangiapane, his next will be his 100th. Ooh. In terms of assists, Brent Burns, three away from 600. Eric Carlson is five away from 600. Wow. Um, Barkov, one more for 400. Yeah. Seth Jones, one more for 300. Nah. Van Riemsdyk, two more for 300. JVR, Jeff Skinner, three more for 300. Like. Sorry? JVR, the one you don't like? Uh, there's, the there's, two Van Reams Dy- there's two Van Reams dykes in yes, the league. Yes, JVR. So. Okay. Um, and Ryan Ellis and Jacob Slavin are both one assist away from 200. Okay. And in points, uh, Ovi, three more for 1,500. Tavares, six more for 1,000. Damn. Uh, Braden Shen, one more for 600. Okay. Kyle Ocposo, five more for 600 points. Who only plays well in St. Louis. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, let's see. You skipped one. Well, actually, it's not a milestone coming up. It's a milestone that he hit, I'm going to say. But you skipped one. Go ahead. Well, your buddy, the captain. Oh, Bradley. Bradley hit number 500 last night against Montreal. 500 Five. assists for Brad Marchand. Just keeps climbing the list. Number thir- number 63 is going to be hanging up there with number 37, number 33. and <sighs> It will be a... A sad day. There will be a tear on my cheek. <laughs> and, I mean, there's more milestones, obviously. I mean, Taylor Hall is three three points away from 700. Um, and it kind of depends on where you want to draw the line. I mean, 
you start saying, well, he's 15 games away from the, it's like, okay, maybe we'll wait until he gets like five games away. <laughs> yes, because anything can happen in the NHL. Uh, but Taylor Hall is someone we've talked about as missing I like here in I Boston. Miss I miss Taylor. Taylor Hall, uh, to me, did everything the Bruins could ask of him and probably more. He was good for 200 feet of ice. He was good for He was good with the press. He praised the hell out of the younger players, whether it was Jake DeBrusque or Trent Frederick, for doing good. Uh, and he, I, I do not have a single solitary complaint about Taylor Hall's time in Boston, except that it was too short. It was too short. Unfortunately, the contract that he had made him expendable. Was it his contract or was it the other contracts that the GM has signed? I thought it was his contract that made him. They needed to. There were other contracts that were less movable. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they sent was was Felino part of the de- was was Hall part of the deal because they had to move Felino? Was Felino part? Of, I mean, it, I think it was the package that that was wanted. And to be quite honest, Taylor Hall, the way that he worked with, I don't know if he's working with Connor in Chicago, but you could see the effect he was having on Trent Frederick. So clearly he can impart knowledge to the younger ones. I I referred to that as the sandpaper line with the two of them and Coyle. And I thought it was arguably the best third line in hockey. It was a complete package. You had the physicality. You had the two-way play. um, You had everything. Yeah. That's why I miss him. And I'm happy for um, you. How how can you not be happy? Chicago got a decent, got a a former Hart Trophy winner. Whether it was five years ago or whatever, six years ago, whatever it was, still, guy's MVP. <laughs> former, former MVP, former number one overall pick. If you think that didn't weigh into their decision to go after him with Connor Bedard coming onto the roster this year, you should probably go lay down. points away from 700 in his career. Congratulations, bud. You're almost there. He'll make it. He's got and four. Honestly, got, Taylor Hall got, may be one of the most underappreciated players in the league. Yeah. He's got four points in nine games. On a uh, terrible team. <laughs> on a terrible team. Chicago has several really nice pieces. But as a whole, woof, they're very yes. nearly as bad as as uh, San Jose. Collection of good ta- collection of decent talent, but do they have a team yet? No. Right. And they're still rebuilding. They're still actively re- 
the building. There's no if ands, or buts about it. This team's not making the playoffs. No. Uh, no one should think that they are. No. They're, they're cemented in the, the bottom spot in the central. And that's probably where they should be. And yes, they have Seth Jones. Yes, they have Conor Bedard, Taylor Hall. The, 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 you, you know, you can run off, a, like, like you said, you can run off a list of names, a list of talent, but they're not a team yet. They're still working on it. But Taylor Hall is going to be good for Conor Bedard. I have no doubts about that. Like I said, good for good for Trent Frederick, who, by the way, scored two goals last night. Yes. Uh, Trent Frederick, who one or two of you may have noticed that I sort of kind of like as a player. No, didn't pick up on that. It, it's hard. It's even harder. It's almost as hard as picking up on which goaltender you actually like. I like all of the goaltenders in the Bruin system. Thank you. Among of course other you goaltenders, do. Among other goaltenders around the league. It of just so happens do. that I like a goaltender that nobody else in in Bruins fandom seems to like. <laughs> but we'll I don't think it's get- fair to say that nobody likes Ray Croft. I mean, he's just not playable. <laughs> Uh, he hasn't played in a while either, so that's a good point. Uh, so Trent Frederick, yeah. I, I mean... We asked about him about a month ago in the will here, won't he? And I figured we'd update uh, things now. Mentioned when we did the uh, discussion on it that he was on pace for exactly 17 goals last month. Adding in last night's numbers, Trent Frederick is currently on pace for 25 goals and change. 25? That would certainly be a career high. That would not only be a career high, it would make his contract a bargain. Yes. And he'd be replacing all the goals that Jake DeBrest currently isn't giving us. So <laughs> That's true. And... But I I like DeBrusque. I think he gets deep into his own head on, unfortunately, a regular basis. I would have to agree with that. I don't think he's earned his way into Montgomery's doghouse like he did with um, the coach who shall not be named. Yeah, well, that guy just, yeah, don't. His doghouse was a roach motel. Uh <laughs> Frederick spent more time in that doghouse, so he could tell you about uh, it. Don't even get me started. I mean, I know. We, we could we could say I the think same. It, thing I actually think it, I actually think it hind- I actually think it hindered his progress. Instead oh, of actually instead of actually playing him so that he could learn and get better, you put him in the doghouse and you played him five minutes a night. Oh, see, I went there. I'm sorry. And you did it because half the time he was getting penalized for really. Dumb decisions by certain NHL refs. Now, Jake DeBrusque's current contract is four million, runs out at the end of the year. Yep. Um, and I think we might end up making him our will he or won't he, um, because he's 
not on pace for his best season ever. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I'm practicing my understatements again. You are. Uh, in fact, he's on pace for his second worst season uh, with the Bruins because he should at least match the 2020-2021 14 points in, 51, in 41 games. But this is a guy we expect to score 25 goals. Um, so will he or won't he, Jake DeBrusque, be a Boston Bruin at the start of next season? Mm, that's actually a puzzling question, which I will have my answer for next week. No. <laughs> I don't want to be influencing the votes. Um, because if I had to guess right now, well, I guess we'll have to talk about that next week because uh, it's it's a more complex and nuanced answer than most of the Internet actually likes. Yes. That's why that's another reason why I put it off till next week. <laughs> Um, but it, in terms it, of it, Trent it, Frederick, Trent Frederick is, and, and I'm sorry, Yid, I think that he's lost, unfortunately, at least one or set back at least one, if not two seasons by what was done to him. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong there. Um, and yes, I believe his contract that. runs through the end of next season at two point three million. So cheaper, less expensive. If he gets twenty five goals at that price, he's bumping up to DeBrusque money. <laughs> he he's yeah he's going to get a four million dollar plus contract, and it's not even going to be a big thing. And that's even that's before we even take into account the cap going up. He's at uh, 2.75% uh, percent of the cap right now. Um, Jake DeBrusque's contract uh, works out to 4.91% of the current cap. Um, going to be interesting to see where that lands him. You realize he gets no power play time? Yes. He has all of – I mean, granted, okay, he only has 34 goals in his career, which is not a huge number, in you, but all of them are even strength. I could have sworn he had one shorthanded, but that might have been taken away. Uh, he has a shorthanded assist. One. But seriously, I mean, 34 goals, all scored even strength. Uh, last season, again, yeah, 17. This year, he's got five and 16. So he's scoring a goal every three games. Okay. On pace for 25, I'll take it. Uh, and he's doing it. And this is what this is what kills me, is he actually lowered his penalty minutes quite a bit from 21-22 to 22-23. Um 
because he had the same number. He actually had the same number of penalty minutes, but it was in 19 more games. He went from 60 games, obviously in the 21-22, to 79 games last year. This season, 16 games. He's still got 15 penalty minutes. He's not. He's not being less physical. He's not being less of himself. No. But he's got a coach that understands that that's the way he plays it. Would Would Montgomery like him to not be in the box as much? I'm sure he would love that. But he also recognizes that this is Trent Frederick's game. He's a he's a physical player. He. But looking looking at the penalty minute number. Yeah. Campus Lindholm has 24 penalty minutes through 16 games. Charlie McAvoy, who served that suspension, has 25 through 12 games. Brad Marchand, who, according to the Internet, is the dirtiest player to ever dirty, um, has 14 penalty minutes through 16 games. And Charlie Coyle, who I mostly can't remember taking penalties, actually has 12 through 16. He's not taking – he's taking like an average amount of penalty minutes for someone playing a top-nine role. Yeah. I don't – again. But he has a coach that recognizes that that's what – I don't think Cassidy understood that. This is his game. This is how he plays. He's a physical guy. He's not finesse. He can be. He's got the skills, but it's not his game. He's a physical kid. He's not going to dance around. He's not Nick Suzuki or somebody who's going to dance around and, and avoid. He'd rather go through. But I don't I don't think Cassidy recognized that. And then when he got called for penalties and it's like, oh, coach is he mad. Get at him. He gets benched for yeah. the rest of the period. Mm. It was gross. Yes. It was funny because last week the the first game Bruins and Canadians speaking of physical and 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 talking about Marchand during one of the intermissions of the first Montreal game after Gallagher had scored they were actually making a comment about how you know every team would love a player like him he's a scrappy he's little he does this he does that and they were like well the Bruins already have that guy <laughs> Brad Marchand. And somebody made, I forget which one on the panel was, was, wouldn't it be great to see them together or something like that? <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> it's Look, on now. I've been saying that for like six years. Yes, you have. I've been, I've been toting the, I've been towing the line on that as well. You've been saying it for a while, but to hear it on, from the broadcasters is like, or the, the intermission team or whatever. It was like, okay, now somebody's actually going to do something about it. No. <laughs> Because, yeah, we already have one. <laughs> if we had two, it would throw the whole league out of balance. <laughs> it's kind of like if you see yourself from a different time, then you would explode or something like that. Yeah. Uh, again. Uh, and the thing is, is Trent Frederick's goals... Yes. Even going back to his first NHL goal, mm-hmm. a good third of them are really skilled goals. It's it not like, like he's got standing in front of the net and getting them in off his backside. 
That's what I said. He's got the skill. It's just that he plays a physical game. You look at like his second goal last night. That was just a straight snipe. Yeah, it was. And his first goal was showed off his great hands. Brilliant tip. I I mean, Connor Ryan tweeted the the second goal at 8:41 on November 18th. Yeah. And Frederick is heading up ice, having just stepped out of the box, gets around the defender's uh, outreached stick, and just leans into it, and then cleanly gets between the defender and the goaltender. Um, Stick raised, celebrates. You can't ask for a better goal than that. Stick side, Mm. no space. Release, you can't see coming. That's that's the type of goal you'd expect. That if Stamkos showed it, or Stamkos scored that goal, it's going to be on every single highlight reel forever. It's Trent Frederick, so people aren't going to talk about it. No, I. You don't have to sell me on it. The kid's got skills. He just happens to also be graced with the ability to be physical and he seems to enjoy doing that. I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to be the, maybe he doesn't want to be a fighter. He seems, and he seems to be good at it. Maybe he doesn't want to be physical again, seems to be good at it. So I don't know. I, it, he's fun to, he's fun to watch. And I'm glad that he's got a coach who isn't, dare I say, holding him back. Honestly, think that that's what I honestly think a lot of the players on the team feel that way. That Montgomery's with his style and his activating the D, and you know, I think that they all seem to enjoy his style of play. And he actually has a uh, actually has a, a scheme. You know, Wait, like that there's Julie. a system that you uh, that you can view. Dis, uh, dissect, analyze, and understand? Yes, and he talks about it all the time, and he'll tell you when it didn't work and when it did work, and, you know, when the team is not actually. Our details? What? He doesn't just say we need to be better with our details or be better in our own end, or. No, he answers the questions. Weird. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good like that. He answers the questions. I actually enjoy his interviews. He answers the questions. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not just yeah the details blah blah. No, he he'll tell you the system didn't work. You know we need to activate. You know we didn't activate the D tonight. You know Hampus Lindholm did that. He actually gives answers. That's so weird. And let me just say before we dive into some of the other stuff uh, as we round towards the end of the show. Okay. It was so good to see Oscar Steen finally get a golden counted. <laughs> I mean, that was loud, but yes, he it, has a tendency he's to had, get what, five first goals taken away from him. Yes. Like <laughs> the most recent first goal before the one that actually counted. I looked at the review 
and knew it was not going to stand. That's not to say that I didn't think it should stand. Which is odd because I actually felt that it shouldn't have been discounted. But I, I knew thought it, it was not I thought going it should have been fine. Yeah. I get where you're coming from, but I thought it should have. I don't know. That's just me. But yes, it's, it, it's very nice to. He can actually say, my first, first goal. <laughs> or wait, my seventh, my first, first goal. My first goal. <laughs> You know, you have to look at him, though, and say, look, um, he's finally gotten it. Let's see what happens next. And I want to know what happened to all the other pucks they saved that were supposedly his first goal when they put the tape on there and wrote it. First goal, date. Put them straight in the trash. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. So when they put the tape on this one, did they write first goal, date, and then say, finally? <laughs> Finally, the goal has come back to Oscar <laughs> or something like that. It would, Yes, it was definitely good to see. Hopefully it doesn't take as long to get <clears throat> more goals. And hopefully they don't keep discounting them. That's awesome. So the NHL is always stirring. The NHL network is always stirring the pot. Um, no, they stir the pot better than almost anyone. They don't do that. Um, you've seen their best best of lists every summer. That's their all they best have defenseman list, their best goaltender list, their best right wing list, and that's personally, I think that they, those lists should all be printed on toilet paper because that's all they're fit for. But summer is when they show the most hockey games. Sad but true. Yeah, I know. So, uh, on the 14th, the NHL Network tweeted out, it's never too early to look ahead to next year. Who would you pick for the Hockey Hall of Fame next season? And they have a list of, they have a group of six players who are eligible. Shea Weber, Ryan Miller, Pecorine, Patrick Marlowe, Ilya Kovalchuk, and Pavel Dotsik. Of these guys. Mm-hmm. If there's one not on your list, you should not be voting, and you should probably not talk about hockey out loud where other people are going to point and laugh and perhaps have you drug tested. Uh-huh. Because if you can't put Pavel Datsuk into the Hockey Hall of Fame, you should just tear it down, burn the remains, and forget it ever existed. There's one guy on here that I don't think actually should be on this list. And he's like one of my favorite players because he hasn't officially declared himself retired yet. Kind of like Gary Price. Is he ever going to play again? Probably not, but he hasn't officially stated that he's done. And that's Shea Weber. How do you include him on a list of, it's odd that it says first time eligible players. How is he eligible? He hasn't declared his retirement or is it from the time you just stop playing? I mean, don't you have to be officially retired? Is Datsuk officially retired? I think he is. Datsuk is definitely officially retired. Kovalchuk officially retired? Uh, from the NHL, yes. Okay. I know Renee is. I know Ryan Miller is. I know Marlowe is. 
So obviously, if we're going to pick two of these guys, and Datsuk is one, mm-hmm. and you're discounting Shea Weber. I don't like. To, I don't want to discount Shea Weber. I just that don't leaves you with two goaltenders and two forwards as your other four options. Both goaltenders have won a Vesna. Mm-hmm. Both goaltenders have won individual awards. Um, Ryan Miller won the Hobie Baker, the Baz Bastion uh, Memorial Award in the AHL and the Vesna. And Pekka Rene won the Vesna and the King Clancy. Rene played 683 games. Um, finished with a 2.43 goals against average and 9.17 save percentage. Um, Ryan Miller, 796 games, 2.64 goals against average and 9.14 save percentage. Okay. I'm trying to figure out which one I would take because I like both Ryan. I, I, how do you if, not like Ryan Miller? I mean, seriously. If you're taking a goaltender over one of the forwards, do you take the guy who played behind bad defenses his entire career, Ryan Miller? Or do you take the guy who played behind very good defensive men most of his career um, and had, you know, the slightly better numbers? Because let's face it, at various times in his career, Pecorine was behind, has been behind like Ryan Ellis, um, Shea Weber, Seth Jones, um, Eklund. He's got uh, the defense that he had in front of him was actually the best in hockey. We talked about it multiple times. Phil Housley led the Phil Housley coached the defense on that team, and it was. Yeah, Yannick, Yannick Weber, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Eckholm, Ryan Shea Suter, Weber. when he was still playing ridiculous minutes. <laughs> Dan Hamhuis was really, really good early in Rene's career. Um, so, do we do we have to? But but is it fair to ding Pecorine for having a for? the organization having the foresight to have a decent defense in front of him. That's the question. You can ask it that way. You can also ask who is more effective as a, who is more effective in their position in the playoffs. Um, I, I mean, Rene got, Rene, I'm almost certain Rene has played more more playoff games, but Mm -hmm. I think so. I mean, Buffalo was good back then, so they were in the playoffs. Closest he came was they made it to the final one year. 
They made the final that year and lost to Pittsburgh. Uh, That was... That was the year that Sidney Crosby bounced um, P.K. Subban's head off the ice. Shea Weber has not officially retired from the league. Everything I'm finding, yeah, he's retired basically, but there's no official. That That's why I don't understand how he can be first-time eligible if he hasn't officially retired yet. Well, someone here mentioned that uh, the NHL Network occasionally stirs the pot. <laughs> I don't remember who that was. Do we have do we have somebody on staff here that actually would make that statement? It was probably Cisco. Oh, oh, that's right. The third member of our team. How could I forget? That's terrible. Yeah, uh, he he's the, he's that type of guy. <laughs> as long as he's not stirring the pot. Oh no, never. Um, so playoff wise, um, Pecorine got into 89 games played, won 45 of them, wow. 914 save percentage in the playoffs, um, 584 uh, quality starts percentage, which is pretty snazzy. His numbers are um, better than Ryan Miller's. Got into the playoffs more than Ryan Miller, though. Um, Ryan, Ryan Miller, 57. 57 playoff games um, started 21 of them and a uh, career um, quality starts in the playoff of 476 yeah and a 930 um, only, so. only two really bad starts though versus 18 really bad starts in the playoffs for Pecorino 18. That's so 18, uh, effectively 90. That's one in 10 playoff starts was really bad versus Rene versus Miller. Two out of 57. So say um, one, we'll say, say one every 29. Yeah. Because I'm not 28 and a half, and you can't play half a game. But I guess you could if you get pulled. I mean, that's that's a disparity that is huge. That's a objective stat because neither one of them is playing. They're they're not playing the same teams. Obviously, there 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 wasn't as much travel. Starts with the same percentage below. For I mean, for Miller to consistently be. Um, very or at least league average in all of those games, or at least not horrible in all of the games. Um, I think that I think when you look dive into the advanced stats, it makes it even harder. Uh, I mean, their save percentages: uh, nine thirteen for Miller, nine seven nine fourteen for Rene. Okay, uh, but have we have we officially ruled out Mar- Marlowe? We're definitely going with second, or 
your other pick besides Datsuk would be a goaltender out of this out of this bunch? I haven't said that. I okay. just started with those two. Okay. I mean, if you look at Ilya Kovalchuk's number, I thought that he should have won a MVP while he was in New Jersey. Um, and I, I will, I will die on that hill, and I will take people with me. That's um, funny. How he how he hasn't won one is beyond me. So, I mean, um, he didn't he didn't even win Rookie of the Year. He was second in the Calder voting his rookie season. <laughs> Talking about Kovalchuk. Yeah. Um, versus. I forget who won it that year. 2001, 2002. Um, Someone in a bigger hockey market than Atlanta. 2001, 2002. Calder Memorial. Oh. It was his teammate at the time. Danny Heatley. Who received he had sixty seven points and a minus nineteen to Ilya Kovalchuk's fifty one points and a minus nineteen. You know who came in fourth that year? Rookie of the year voting? Thirty five points plus four. Pavel Datsuk. <laughs> Interesting. Um uh, yep. Looking at Marlou's career playoff stats, 195 NHL playoff games, 127 NHL uh, points in the playoffs. Um, He played a lot of his career at center, uh, 49.6 faceoff percentage. Um, had four, managed four shorthanded goals in the playoffs versus Kovalchuk. Only made it to the playoffs at four years in his career. 40, game, 40 playoff games, 11 goals, 28 points. You know, I love Ilya Kovalchuk. He toiled in Atlanta on a terrible team with terrible ownership for Very true. the first eight years of his career. Yeah. I think I do have to go with one of the goaltenders over him or Marlow. Okay. Who is your pick? Pecorino. I have to go with Ryan Miller based on the... But I knew I was going with Rene before. I mean... Before hashing it all out, I, I I knew I was going Pecorino. I love Ryan Miller. I I love Ryan Miller, and the fact that Bru- Milan Lucic still gets booed in Buffalo all these years later because he trucked Ryan Miller, who shouldn't have been that far out of net, knowing that knowing that Milan was bearing down on him. Uh, I did. I love me some Ryan Miller, and but. Pecorino just more playoff experience. 
those really bad starts get to me. They get to me. I didn't know about. I didn't know about the really bad starts. Like I said, I didn't do a deep dive into the advanced that far. But yeah, that that is a concerning number. But I don't know. I have to go with Ryan Miller. Um, It's not an easy decision, but. And I don't I'm think I, I don't think either one would be wrong because I think whoever doesn't would get in the following season anyway, or should get in the following season. I don't think either choice is wrong. Fair deal. Um, next up, we haven't talked about this team much in the last three or four years except to rightfully ridicule really bad choices and talk about our love of their coach. (laughs) Okay. But the Flyers, and hold on to your hats if you haven't looked at the standings in a couple of weeks or this year at all, heading into Thanksgiving week, uh, week, looking at the wild card rankings. Your favorite phrase. If the if playoffs play- started today, yes, the Philadelphia Flyers would be in the playoffs. Yeah, they would be okay. in the second wild card spot. They would face off against yield Boston Bruins. Um. And that's way, way, <laughs> way above anything that they have accomplished in the past four or five years. And things might continue to improve for them. Arizona Coyotes are still in the playoffs, too. Are you, what you're saying is that the Stanley Cup finals are going to be uh, Arizona against Arizona. Philly? Arizona Philly, the the two teams, the two teams in the second wild card spot, first time in NHL history that they both make it to the final. And sadly enough, Arizona takes it because they have better goaltending. <laughs> a couple of days ago, Jonathan Bailey published a um, published a piece on a young man you may or may not remember from his draft year, uh, which was this year. Um, Denver Barkey and player of the week for uh, the OHL um, in three games two goals, yeah. five assists, seven points plus minus rating of plus five for the London Knights this performance in a 10 to 7 victory over the Spitfires they, they, um, they called it a barn burner. They called mm. it a barn burner. Um, I'm thinking that might actually be accurate for this one. For this one, 17 goals in one game. <laughs> it's I would call that a fair assessment. 17 um, goals in one game. Wow. And the Sharks weren't even involved. The, uh, they, there you go. Yeah, see that? It's not just it's not just San Jose. Um, but even better for the. For the Flyers and the Flyers faithful. What are they calling him up? You can't. He's no. Oliver Bonk, who is another Flyers prospect, racked up some uh, quality uh, quality scoring that week as well. Um, 
in this uh, in that span, one goal, two assists, three points. Um, and the goal against the Spitfires was his first of the year. Um, Barkey is going at a 1.44 points per game um, in the OHL right now, which is has him on track for 99 points, 42 goals uh, in their 68-game season. Only two penalty minutes along the way. And yeah, he's a wuss. <laughs> they're talking about him being a slight five foot nine. Uh, we'll give you his full stats in a minute. But uh, Bailey is saying that his tenacity on defense and underrated skill on the puck make him a very projectable NHL forward for the future. Now I see how this story made it onto the board. Okay, go ahead. And I honestly hadn't read this far before we made before we got uh, that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Likely story. Come but on. the 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 comparisons were one of the comparisons is to Dawson Mercer. Uh huh. And. Another one is to current Flyers uh, corner office guy, Danny Briere. Uh-huh. You skipped the other name on purpose. Go ahead. Say what, it. What okay. other name? I didn't see another name. Of course you didn't. Names like Dawson Mercer and... Oh, wait. I don't see another Brad name. Marchand? Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> I... I I don't like doing that sort of. It's like trying to compare Potois to to Bergeron. You know, I, stop. Oh, don't I think those. Pa- I think yeah. most of those comparisons are fairly toxic, particularly when you're comparing someone who has yet to play an NHL game or hasn't played a full NHL right. season to someone who's a first ballot Hall of Famer and going to have their jersey in the rafters. Um, Do so you feel that way about Brad Marchand? Wow. Yes. <laughs> um, Denver Barkey, right wing, 18 years old, won't turn 19 until April 27th of this year, of next year. Okay. And when they refer to him as slight, um, his, he weigh 145? They have him listed at 154 at 5'9". Oh, I, 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 I obviously, I, intro, I, I flipped the numbers. Okay. I meant one. Um, oh, you could be looking <laughs> at a different source. I'm looking at Hockey DB. I'm not looking at any source. It was a it was a pure guess. <laughs> yeah. So while I think he'll hit the NHL and do well, if I not, think they're going to be uh, having him mainline uh, protein shakes all summer. If he's not up to 165 by the time he hits the NHL. 165, 170, because that's around where Poitois is. Poitois, Bergeron, uh, not Bergeron, Marchand, uh, David Krejci, all of those guys were right at that 160 mark upon hitting the You got to get over 160. I, I, I literally just do not think it's safe to put a guy that small. I don't care how well they skate. At some point, they're going to get hit. It's not the height that I'm I'm concerned about because obviously no. guys like Sergei Samsonov who was listed at five eight and now the NHL doesn't list anybody shorter than five nine, but he's listed at like five eight or five nine, 185 pounds. The actual number I believed was the 185 pounds. <laughs> the guy. Was oh a, yeah, I don't brick, think the guy was a brick house. He just happened to be more of a fire hydrant than. <laughs> 
yeah, it's not the it's not the height that I'm concerned with. It's the weight and what kind of body mass he's dealing with. Because if he gets hit by somebody like a Jacob Truba, ouch. If he gets hit by Charlie Coyle, ouch. <laughs> Fair enough. For that matter, just blocking shots. What if he gets or hit attempting to block shots? <laughs> I've seen bigger guys spelled by blocking shots. Some guy yes, named but some guy I've never named actually Campbell. seen. I've never actually seen anyone in the NHL knocked completely over by getting hit, shot uh, by blocking a shot in the upper body mm. at 154 pounds. That might actually happen. True. I was going to say some guy named Campbell comes to mind, but that was lower body. Um, I mean, good for Philly. I mean, th- th- this is all good news for Philly. And it's good news for the league. I mean, whether you're a Philly fan or not, whether you're a fan of the Philly fans or not, um, and please don't get me started on their mascot. Um, Gritty. The league needs the big cities to pull in the big revenue. It just works that way. Agreed. And I think that when you've got the the young when you've got the young talent skating around scoring goals, I mean, we talk about you know you got Connor Bedard in Chicago, you got Patois, you've got Logan Cooley in Arizona. I also like the fact that the talent's not all concentrated in one particular geographic area yeah it's not all in one division it's not all in yeah you can go to just about any i mean got people in southern california go over to anaheim you can see jamie drysdale and trevor zegris and <laughs> and, and this goes uh, on and Clinton byfield and yes and Clinton byfield in la and 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 then you go to San Jose. Who are they watching in San Jose? Oh, wait, no one. Mark Andre. Uh, dry in San Jose, and <laughs> they're watching. Find it more entertaining than the games. Vlasic and uh, and Thomas Hurdle, and maybe and Cam that's Pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> there is one thing we haven't touched on because we missed it when we did the Will Hironi. Um, and that's the results from Nikita Zadorov's question last week. That's correct. Um, and the results are. Drum roll, please. Oh wait, I don't have any sound effects. I will eventually get them. They are, and that is to your eternal shame. Eternal. It is. I agree. It is. <clears throat> As the question is written, will he or won't he? Will Nikita Zadorov be traded to the Leafs forever? Before the end of the season, yes or no, 66.7% are negative Nancys and saying, no, 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 you should all be ashamed of yourselves, you you Debbie Downers. What are these poor writers in the mainstream media going to talk about other than potential trades of guys to a team that doesn't know how to use that type of player? Okay. 33% said yes. I 
I don't see it unless something comes off the rails in in Toronto. So after putting down all the people who said no, you agree with them? I didn't say they were wrong. I just said that. that <laughs> nice pivot. The writers. Nice pivot. When will I see your name on a ballot? <laughs> I didn't pivot. I maintained the same position. I just explained it differently. Yes, that's called a pivot. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Of course not. I actually think right now sit in third place in the in the uh, in the division. They've got a comfortable 647 points per game percentage. Uh, their goal differential is still a positive three, which isn't mm-hmm. particularly fantastic. No. But they're not. They've got winning records on home at home and on the road. And they're very hampered by the cap. Do they still have Matt Murray? Um, I don't believe so, but... I have no idea where Matt Murray is, and that's sad. <sighs> no. But anyway, I, I tend to agree with the nose here as well. Uh, and I would have said it last week. I don't think he's going to be dealt. First of all, why are the Leafs going to acquire a player that plays a position that they don't know what that entails. I mean, the only way it's going to work is if they can move Klingberg first. There's the money aspect. Yeah. Because Klingberg has been uh, decidedly ungood this year. (laughs) I love that. Decidedly ungood. And no one's taking him without you paying them to take him at this point. And if you give up a first in order to move him, you have less to make the trade with. Okay. I mean, and I don't see anyone who even knows what sane means throwing in Matthew Nyes in order to get back Zadaroff without having to give up a first. It just doesn't make sense. I honestly just don't see Toronto showing that kind of interest in, in a defenseman. No, I, I don't. I know that I know that's simplistic in my thinking. I mean, in fairness, Brad Trembling is not the is not uh, previous GMs. Okay. But he's answering to the same leadership to the same people at the next level up. Aha. That's true. And I just concern and, and until. Until Toronto figures that out, they're not going far in the playoffs. Nope. They might make it out of the first round. They might make it to the second round. They're not going to conference finals. They've got to figure out that they need to have some semblance of a defense in front of their goaltending. All the goals you score in the world is great until you run into a team that can stop you. This is a classic example of everyone having a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) Then all plans are out the window. And, I I mean, I think even above the willingness for the team to make the move, Toronto Maple Leafs have less than $60,000 in cap space. Mm -hmm. Less than $60,000 in cap space. You can't even have – you couldn't even have – uh, Zadorov on the roster for a day 
NDCAP compliant if you can't move salary out at least matching what he's at. It just, I'm, I'm sorry, it's just not. No, I don't see it until, happening. Until things go wildly off the rails and the Leafs are out of a playoff spot, I don't see them chasing a defenseman. I honestly don't see him chasing anyone. I mean, it's going to take moving Nylander to, uh, they're going to have to move Nylander at some point deadline end of end of year to begin with. I mean, what are we talking about here? You're going to bring in a, a defenseman when you, there's no possible place you can put him. Yeah, no, it's, it's not, I don't think it's happening. And as we said, uh, we'll have the uh, we'll have the tweet link for Jake DeBrust. Will he or won't he uh, still be a Bruin at the start of next season? Uh, in the show description. Anything else we want to cover this week? We hit everything on our board for the day. That's got to be a first this season. <laughs> I don't know like, if it's a first, but it, it's less expectant than you would think. I don't think it's the first time, but yeah. It may have only been the second. <laughs> okay. In that case, uh, hockey fans, this is where we leave you. Uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're celebrating. Uh, if you're not, I would consider volunteering someplace. Um, if you're here in the U.S. Uh, and don't wish to be alone, um, please make use of all of those emergency services. If you need them, the holidays can be a really unpleasant time to be alone. Um, and when I talk about volunteering, there's all sorts of shelters, um, hospitals, um, nursing homes, and uh, facilities for uh, children in state care. Um, that will would desperately like to have a friendly face, come in and talk to people, read to people, um, play some music, uh, play games uh, with with the residents. Uh, I I can't recommend it enough, and it will keep your mind off of uh, being alone. Take care, enjoy the hockey, share the show. We'll be back next week.